0: This is your Tuesday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. I'll be joined in a little bit by Mark Craig, who covers the Vikings and the NFL for the Star Tribune. He'll help out with a first-round mock draft, uh, basically through pick 14 at least, getting an idea of who the Vikings might take at number 14 in Thursday's draft. Will they trade down? Would they consider a trade up? What uh, what does the top of the draft have to do with how things are going to fall to the Vikings at 14 with so many quarterbacks likely to be taken but first what did I miss pair of pretty uh, dramatic games last night I should say I'm gonna start with the twins because uh, that that one feels like it has a little bit more relevance uh, no, no offense to the Wolves I think they're doing some good things right now I think it's interesting how they're playing down the stretch here but the twins my goodness 7 and 14 now some amazing numbers coming your way here they are 0 and nine now this season. When they play a game that doesn't last nine innings exactly, that's 0 and five in extra innings after losing to Cleveland five to three. That's a a bunch of with f- five extra inning losses now. Four losses in games that go seven innings as part of a couple of doubleheaders. So 0 and nine in games that don't go exactly nine innings. Seven and five in those nine inning games. Very strange, but. Also thinks that tells also think that tells you a little bit about where this team is struggling in particular, which, you know, <laughs> let's let's be honest. We were talking about extra innings, it's the bullpen, right? It's the little things that they're not doing well. Hansel, Robles has to come in early in the sixth inning, the details, attention to details, because the twins make an extra mound visit. Can you I mean, can you even believe that? They they make two mound visits by accident. Wes Johnson went out. And then later Rocco goes out in the same inning in the sixth. They have to take Barrios out because of that. Barrios had been pitching really well through five. Maybe would have come out pretty soon after that anyway. He'd given up a couple runs that inning. Had given up, you know, 83 pitches he'd thrown already. So maybe that doesn't have a huge impact. But that starts a cascade effect, right? Robles pitches. The next thing you know, you got you, know, you got Duffy has got the eighth. Duffy gives up a home run that ties the game. Taylor Rodgers pitches a good ninth, but then he's done. And then you get to Alexander Colomay, who's had all sorts of struggles this season. It's, it's to the point now where I expect in a close game that the Twins' bullpen is going to blow it. And in particular, I expect that Alexander Colomay is going to give up a long run. Home run or long hit, something of that sort, and that's exactly what happened last night. He hangs a cutter on the third pitch at the bottom of the tenth, and that's your ball game. Five three. That doesn't technically go down as a one run game because it was only five to three, but the Twins are two and six in one run games this season. A lot of close, close losses. I mean, they're capable of losing big too, but a lot of close losses. So. Everything to, that, that's gone wrong feels like it can go wrong. And I don't know what they're going to do about Colome right now. Um, Rocco, Rocco Baldelli talked about him after the game. Let's play a clip of that audio because it hints a little bit at what what might be in Colome's future, but still trying to use him, I think, in some fashion. Yeah, I think a lot of the time, um, you know, the first thing you do is you show confidence in someone and, uh, you know, you, you continue to put them out there in situations that they're familiar with and that they've, uh, you know, where Alex has pitched for a long time and, and pitch very well. And we've seen him. I mean, we've, we've been on the field with him. Uh, I know him personally and have watched him throw since he was a, a young, young man. Um, and yeah, he's going through a tough time right now. Um, and I think we can also help him, uh, you know, with some specific things on the mountain to get him back to where he needs to be. Uh, and maybe also in some, uh, some different types of situations, which could also help too. But, uh, we're, you know, we, we will have to obviously, uh, you know, do everything we can to help to help a player going through a, a difficult time. And that part about using him in situations that he's maybe not as familiar with, I think maybe that hints that may might not get the very latest late late inning work anymore, which would be a relief. Let him work on things in maybe some lopsided games instead of some really close games. That would, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna keep pitching him, which you know you've invested in him, you've, you're counting on him in the back half of your bullpen, you're gonna have to do that. Uh, You're going to have to get him going in some way and see if you can replicate what he did in 2020, in 2021, because he was a really good pitcher in 2020. So can they get him going? Can they get the bullpen straightened out? Is this a failure of just a small sample size? Is this a failure of roster construction because they don't have enough back end help. I mean, you think about last year, you had Trevor May, you had Sergio Romo, you had you had more options down there I think that you could count on especially when, you know, Tyler Duffy's been a little bit up and down and when Colomay has been really really bad. So, you know, one of those one of those moments where everything goes wrong again, Byron Buxton has to sit because of a knee injury. Um it's just it's the first time I I think that Rocco Baldelli as manager has really had to face major adversity with this team and it's not showing up in a really good place right now. He's not managing through this brilliantly. He's not stealing wins for his team with any kind of acumen. He's actually detracting with his decisions with some, you know, absent-mindedness that, you know, caused him to have to take Barrios out of that game. So I don't know what the answer is. I know what the question is though. Can they turn this around? And I don't right now at seven and fourteen. I don't have a lot of confidence. Enjoy your money, your way, when you switch to Royal Credit Union. You can pay friends and family for free, deposit checks on the go, and even get alerts about your accounts sent in real time. Stop in and open your account today, or get started at rcu.org/slash your way. Insured by NCUA. The Timberwolves, on the other hand, won their second consecutive game, both over Utah. Very good team in the Western Conference. I know Utah doesn't have Donovan Mitchell, but they've been playing really well even without Mitchell. They were heavy favorites both in the game in Utah on Saturday and in the game uh, here at Target Center on Monday. Wolves win both, including 105-104. Some drama in that one. D'Angelo Russell scores on a late layup to give them the 105-104 win. So what does that mean? Well, two wins in a row for the first time since the first two games of this season. And what I really want to know now, though, is, you know, can they can they sustain this? I, I think they they need to get greedy. They they you know you know they've got Houston tonight. Can they make it three in a row? They're already they're three games up now on Houston. By the way, in the uh, in the in the standings. So. If you're a, if you're a tank fan, uh, the Wolves are way clear of Houston now, and if they win tonight against Houston, um, I, I think I think they're going to win that race. But you also have to remember, if you're a tanking fan, the bottom three teams, uh, top three in the seating, bottom three in the uh, in the standings for for draft picks, all have the same odds. They flatten that out to try to keep teams from tanking. But I will say the Wolves are creeping up on some other teams. They've only got two fewer wins now than the Thunder. Um, looking looking in the East now you know they're creeping up on Orlando. Orlando 18 and 43. The Wolves right now are 18 and 44. So they're creeping up on Orlando too. They're creeping up on Detroit. Um, you know, they're creeping up on a lot of teams. So, you know, might lose a few percentage points on their lottery odds this season, but you know what? D'Angelo Russell and Carlton Towns, they're 8 and 6 when they both play this year. That's pretty good. Starting to see what the vision was. They're doing this without Malik Beasley too. I feel like when he comes back, whenever he comes back, if it's this year, if it's next year, um, you get you add one more dimension to that team. But you know, an impressive win. Not going to change a whole lot in the outcome of this season. But you know, some hopefulness for them. I think going forward, when you see the way they're able to play, when you see that they've been able to lock down defensively the last two games. Is this a matchup thing with Utah, or is this something they've started to figure out and turn some sort of corner? I don't even want to say that because it's so early, but have they figured something out? Is maybe a big way to put it? Can they are they on the are they on the track now where you should not expect them? Unlike the Twins, you shouldn't expect them to lose every game, especially the close ones down the stretch. I'm Nyla Jean Myers, senior assistant sports editor at the Star Tribune. Thank you for listening to Strip Sports Daily Delivery. This work is made possible by our Star Tribune subscribers. For unlimited access to the articles mentioned in this podcast and our coverage of Minnesota sports from pros to preps, go to StarTribune.com slash subscribe. Happy to be joined on Daily Delivery today by Mark Craig, covers the Vikings and the NFL for the Star Tribune. Um, Daily Delivery historians will know that Mark Craig was the very first guest on this podcast, and uh, happy to have him back today to talk about his mock draft, first-round NFL uh, draft mock draft coming out uh, later this week. Mark, welcome.
1: Welcome. I'm sort of like the who's on David Letterman first. You know, it's uh, perhaps, you
0: know, answer to a
1: trivia question,
0: answer to a trivia question. If that ever becomes a trivia question, that <laughs> will the uh, this this the success of this podcast will have exceeded even my wildest imaginations. But uh, um, really happy to have you on because you do a great job with you know, covering the league and the in the Vikings every year, and in particular, kind of figuring out you know, not so much the you know, mock draft version 1.0, 2.0, but just kind of like really digging into it as we get closer. So as you've looked at this interesting draft this year, obviously a lot of quarterback talk, which, you know, Vikings fans might love it if uh, if some of that involved the Vikings, but they have their quarterback right now, Kirk Cousins. So how do you see kind of the, the top of this draft? And as you've kind of looked at, you know, particularly picks one through 10, one through 14, how do you see things shaking out and, and, and to, you know, to what benefit or detriment does that impact the Vikings? Once we get to 14, I think it's a great year.
1: Not only if if you need quarterbacks and you have a high pick, but also for teams that have
0: their quarterbacks
1: and, you know, all these, there's a lot of great players are going to get pushed down out of the top 10, you know, that, uh, normal years would be picked, you know, top five, top six. So, you know, I think for the first time ever, you're going to see four quarterbacks go with the first four picks. Um, You know, I I got right now in my top 10, I, I mean, other people do too, I'm sure, but I got, I got five going in the first eight. So in one and maybe, you know, the, the Patriots, we've seen uh, some aggression with the Patriots that we've never seen before with uh, free agency. And I think, um, you know, you might see that them trading up in the top 10 to get, to get the quarterback. So, uh, it's a good year, and I, I I'd like to be the Bengals. You know, sitting at number five with, uh, you know, you got your franchise quarterback last year. Now I would assume they get the franchise tackle to protect him. Uh, you have your pe- best pick of of any player that's not a quarterback, and uh, so yeah, I think it's a it's going to be an, a very interesting uh, top ten this year.
0: Now, as you as we kind of looked through it, how do you have? Um, how do you have the quarterbacks stacked up? I mean, sometimes it's not even so much a matter of your preference. It's, it's what a team wants, but you know, if you were just, you know, if you were going to rank the, you know, the, the five quarterbacks, we think are going in the top, you know, top 10, perhaps, how would you put them one through five?
1: Well, I mean, Trevor Lawrence is, um, you know, God bless Trevor Lawrence cause we're all going to be one and oh in our mock drafts. So. Uh, <laughs> he's obviously going to go number one. And then now it's, it's interesting with the jets. I mean, that's now become a foregone conclusion that Zach Wilson, you know, is he's written down in, in ink at number two. You know, I, I assume that uh, I'm going to go with him number two, although I would not be surprised if it's fields. I mean, uh, when quarterbacks start getting dinged as much as fields goes getting dinged there for a while, that means a lot of teams like him and they want him to fall and, um, but I got, uh, you know, I, I got Wilson number two and then Fields uh, number three. I, I'm just not buying the, the Mac Jones uh, number three. That's also kind of become a foregone conclusion, although it changes as we get closer to the, to the draft. People are jockeying around their, their mocks. But I got Justin Fields there. And then, uh, you know, I, I, I think with a new regime in Atlanta, it'd be a, it's going to be a tough call with, a, with a Pitts sitting there, that tight end, who's really a giant receiver. Uh, But I got them taking Trey Lance, Uh, and then I got the Patriots trading up uh, to get ahead of uh, George Payton and the Broncos to get uh, to get Mac uh, Jones. So that's how I would rank them. Uh, You know, uh, Mac Jones is kind of the wild card in here. Whether he goes three or he goes five, I'm not sure. But I I I think Trey Lance is going to be a fantastic player, but he's a risk. Of course, they're all a risk. If every year you see when you see the first round picks, I mean, it's about the same kind of numbers that make it and don't make
0: it. Yeah. Just the, the nature of this draft and showing, you know, the, how valuable, you know, the, getting that quarterback in the first round is not just, you know, to, to set your franchise up for, you know, 10 or you know, 10, 12, 14 years. But, you know, when you get that, you get that first round quarterback and you can, have that cost control you've seen so many teams have success early on with young quarterbacks even even in their rookie year where they're getting that exceptional value of you know someone who's playing at an above average level but also you know, has that rookie scale where you know it's four years of a, of, a, of a fixed cost and even a fifth year option that you know doesn't necessarily get too cost prohibitive so but you're right it is a, it is a risk so how do you think teams are going to balance the, you know, the, the more, you know, known commodity of, you know, certain, you know, certain quarterbacks or even other positions like offensive line versus, you know, trying to hit a home run with, with someone like a Trey Lance who might take a little bit longer to develop.
1: Well, I think that's one, that's a huge reason for the Falcons to take him because new regime coming in and they're, you know, the value of having a guy like that, you know, obviously I don't think he would start this year, but, you know, at some point when you're trying to build, you just can't keep giving your quarterback $40 million a year. It's like with the Vikings, if for some reason, one of these five quarterbacks is there, I, I would take him. You know, I, because, you know, otherwise you're going to, I mean, I know Kirk's young, but Kirk's always going to require you to pay him 30, $40 million. And you're always going to be redoing his contract. And just to the, the nature of the financials, you got to, got to start over and, and, uh, especially if they have it like a Tom Brady, yeah, you keep giving him money, but he keeps winning Super Bowls. <laughs> you know, so, right. uh, yeah. So uh, if there's a quarterback there, I don't think there will be. I would think long and hard if I was the Vikings, and that would be a really tough call for the Vikings, considering all their needs. But got to do it sometime.
0: This is a good spot to probably transition into that number fourteen pick. You know, if if five quarterbacks are off the board. As we expect, that only leaves eight other picks, eight other players before they pick, or if they if they stay at fourteen, we can talk about the possibility of a move up or a move down in a little bit here. But you know, how do you think that plays out for them? Obviously, offensive line is is a big position of need. I think you could argue the defensive end is still a pretty big position of need for them as well, even if Daniel Hunter is back and healthy. What? How do you think they let the? How do you think they see the board right now? Especially if you know a lot of if there's a, a this run on quarterbacks, are they going to be able to get what they want at 14? Does that help them um, as other teams assess their own needs above them that aren't taking quarterbacks?
1: Well, I think that you know the two those top two tackles will probably go. if I'm the Bengals, I take that the kid from Oregon, Sewell, and you know it, it's so tempting to take chase and, and reunite him with burrow, but that guy got beat up so bad last year that you got to focus on the offensive line, I think. Uh, and then, you know, Slater's probably the second best tackle. So if those two are gone, I mean, the Vikings are probably happy because they're going to be a good, there's going to be a lot of good players that get pushed down to them, but I don't know that it's the the tackle that they would want to spend the money on or spend the pick on at 14. Maybe they take the, the, uh, Vera Tucker from, from USC at 14. But I mean, it's so many signs point that if the teams that want to come up for a receiver, maybe they trade, of course with Rick, every year you, you're talking he probably wants to trade down, but this year to get that second round pick back uh, to trade down, like um, I think he's trade trade down, and that's whenever the defensive ends start to make sense uh, as you trade farther down the first round. So, yeah, I, I would say defensive end is is up there just as almost as high as offensive linemen because uh, you know we're, we're assuming Daniel's going to come back and be a hundred percent, but even if he does that, you know you still need another one.
0: How does a, you know, you talked about a second round pick and I think that's interesting. It's a, it's a kind of a, maybe an underappreciated part of this draft where the Vikings have a lot of needs, but because of the Ngakwe trade last season, they don't have that second round pick. Their third rounder doesn't come until what, like pick 75, somewhere in that range. So you're talking about, you know, not, uh, you know, not a lot of premium picks, not a lot of ways to address that. So, you know, one way to shore that up is to move down and then pick up the second round pick perhaps, but then you're also running the risk of, you know, your, your first, your first round pick just isn't going to be as good because you, you don't have as much equity. there. It's going to be probably in the low twenties, wherever you, wherever you wind up trading to. So how do, how do you think what, as, as they are evaluating that and, and, as you're considering like what they might do, like how do you kind of piece all that together? You know, their, their needs and, you know, how much does the need for, one really good player versus two more solid players. How do you think they evaluate that? And how do you think about that as you try to mock what's going to happen at 14?
1: Well, yeah, they, they, I mean, they only go down as far as uh, the players that they're willing to accept. It's got, got to match up. And if they have three guys they are equally excited about, then you, know, you go down, you know, you, you just got to balance what you're willing to take in the first round. But if you look at the value in this, I mean, they should have, they would have had the 45th pick, I believe that went to Jacksonville. Well, the 45th pick last year was Antoine Winfield Jr. So, I mean, that's a, a lot of quality there in that, in that second round that, you know, I, I understand they were trying to be aggressive and uh, when they thought Daniel was healthy, they were going to get these two great ends. And uh, that went South pretty quick. And then at the buy, they're one and five or whatever they were and pulled the, pulled the plug on that, uh, that trade, but that, that was a damaging to their, to their draft. I mean, that was did not work out. That's one of a pretty bad uh, trade ended up being. So, yeah, I, to me, I, it's going to be hard for them to sit there in, in, in the second round and not have, you know, a swing in that second round. So I, I think they're going to do something to correct that.
0: What do you think? Where's there more? Um, no, I should I should mention too. we had a good point. Someone point this out on the Access Vikings podcast last time, a reader, a listener. You know, the Vikings have had a lot of second round success too in the in the last, you know, five, ten years of their drafts with Dalvin Cook, Eric Kendricks, Brian O'Neill, like a lot of their core players have been second round picks almost to the point where their second round's been maybe almost as successful as their first round. So you're right, they're probably gonna want to swing in there. Two two points on that, you know, one more directly related to thinking about how the mock draft goes uh, let's so let's start there where do you see there being more depth in this draft is it is it on the offensive line or is it on you know defensive end and it does that inform kind of if you're thinking about a trade back what order might they try to do things in in terms of who they're picking first if, if they do wind up with the second round pick
1: well it seems like the defensive linemen are, are you know in that bottom half of the first round uh guys that uh, you're hearing that are going to be guys worth taking. Uh, offensive linemen seems good, seems that maybe they're, they're probably the, the better in the, in the first round, uh, ones that you're going to see going higher. Um, I mean, in the Vikings, not that it can happen every year, but uh, they have a lot of really uh, – they've done a lot – they've done well for themselves outside the first round on defensive linemen. I mean, it's uh, much better than offensive linemen their day two and three offensive linemen never seemed to to pan out. So yeah, I would say you know, to me, you always, if, if there's an offensive tackle there and it's, it's in a first round, you, you go for him.
0: And, the, and I guess the other, the other piece of that was, what do you think is more, you know, as you think about, you know, maybe a little bit beyond the first round and we're talking about this second round idea, what, what's more likely to you in terms of how they would acquire a second round pick. Is it a trade down out of the first round or is it using some of that kind of third and fourth round equity they have to try to jump into the second round? And is that even possible with what they have?
1: Yeah, that's, that's a, it's a great question. I, you know, I'm thinking that they probably, cause they have the they have those third round picks packaging something to move up into the second round probably makes, you know, it would make more sense as far as it working out for another team accepting the trade. Um,
0: yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how that all kind of shakes out for them. So, a couple more things for Mark Craig. Really enjoying this conversation. Read Mark's mock draft when it comes out later this week. Always does a good job with that. Even though everybody who does a mock draft, you're gonna have a lot of misses, right? There's always a lot of misses. yeah, yeah.
1: Don't 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 uh, don't give my career a percentage. It's, uh, I'm not gonna yeah yeah. Uh, people that spend even more you know time on it. They, although some people do like ten of them. So, or who knows how many of them. So, the you, eventually you're gonna get right on some of those. But yeah, it's. Uh, I think we all. It's a lot. It's great talk. Everybody loves them, but the winning percentage on on ninety nine percent of them, if not a hundred percent of them, is not very good.
0: Uh, let, let's get a couple of final thoughts. Like as you, you st- I know you're still thinking a little bit about Vikings at fourteen. So we don't want to give a big reveal. But what, you know, as you. As you consider that, as you consider how the draft might go, if they stay at 14, what is at least the most likely position you think they go for?
1: I think offensive line, uh, offensive lineman. I, you know, I think it's too early to take, uh, you know, the Phillips guy or, or uh, some of the other pass rushers. You know, the the, the USC kid um, would be, from what they say, Here you know, Tucker. They can play guard or tackle. right? Uh, Tucker, yeah. So. Uh, I see him staying at 14. I I see him going offensive line. And, you know, one of these years we are, uh, Michael, we're going to maybe one of these years, eventually we'll say the offensive line is not the the biggest need, but uh, it just keeps, you know, happening that way. You know, and now it's right there front and center again that they they need an offense. They need a better offensive line.
0: And for a while the criticism was that they weren't investing at least draft capital in the offensive line. I don't think that's the, that can't be the complaint anymore, because if, no. they, if they do, especially if they pick someone at number 14 this year, that's, you know, we're talking about five years in a row where they've gone at least, you know, a top three round pick on offensive line. If you go back to what Elf line, garrett bradbury and you know, brian o'neill and then last year ezra cleveland i mean you're ta- you'd be talking about the fifth year in a row where they've invested you know a day one or day two pick into that line and some of those have had more success than others so you could say you know are they evaluating it the right way are they getting the right people but i don't think at least the investment is the problem anymore
1: no certainly not yeah i mean they're you know they're spending first and second round picks you know on guys and you know they you know o'neill is, is uh And I think Bradbury is going to be, you know, a a good player. I mean, he's still developing and um, they're finding guys that can play. I mean, and Ezra Cleveland, you're a second round pick when you're able to do five, six games into the season, step in and start and make the offensive line better. I mean, that's, that's when you're, those are the kind of guys that can do that their first year. So uh, you don't pick a fourth rounder and have him contribute this year. Just rarely happens. So the investment is there, and uh, they're getting starts out of these guys. They just gotta get five together at one point.
0: It'd be a lot of fun if the quarterback slid to fourteen. Mark, I don't think it's gonna happen, but uh, that would uh, that would it sure line up Thursday night.
1: Yeah, I don't know if uh, a sixty-four-year-old defensive-minded coach would want a quarterback. Uh, Probably uh, not. But if I'm if I'm ownership, I I'd be like, uh, this is bigger than who we currently have here, and you know, if if anything, anybody knows the how hard it is to get a quarterback. Uh, it's the Vikings. Fan. So, you know, when they're sitting there and your future's sitting there, it's hard to not pull the trigger
0: on. Good stuff, Mark Craig. Appreciate you joining daily delivery. Good luck covering all this stuff as it uh, actually happens later in the week. And we'll, uh, we'll chat again with you down the road. All right. All right. Thanks, Michael. Interesting stuff from Mark Craig. Always love talking to Mark about football, such a deep reservoir of knowledge there you know I'll, I'll talk to ben gessling um in a later podcast before the draft to kind of set up what the vikings should do over seven rounds i'll just my my short final thought and i'll have some more final thoughts on this too um you know down the road if the vikings don't wind up with a day 1 starter if a, a, a starter who can be you a know, plug and play on the offensive line in week 1 of this season if they get cute in the draft and mess around with that i'm going to be very disappointed so I feel like offensive line, like Mark said, has to be the priority if you stay there at 14. There's, there's opportuni- If there's opportunities around the board, yeah, go ahead and do that. But you know, nothing wrong with staying at 14 and getting the best offensive lineman available. Hit me with a hot one. Let's roll through a few of your hot takes right now. Jackson says, 2019 Twins was the fluke. 2020 and 2021 have shown who the Twins really are. Well, if 2020, I'll take that. Man, they were thirty six and twenty four. They won the AL Central. I would take that, but I, th- I think I get what you're saying that that they didn't, you know, they weren't that dominant team last year. It was a little bit more pitching, um, you know, big picture. I am starting to worry that the, you know, some performances at least, you know, the Mitch Garver, Jorge Polanco, some of these other guys on offense. The outlier year was 2019 and not 2020. Chris Steller, I like this one. I wonder if the Twins' record now is comparable to when they draw a comparable number of fans at the dome. So ten thousand at Target Field right now uh, for those games, and not this not not this week. They're in, they're in Cleveland, obviously, but they've got more home games coming up uh, in in a few days here. Yeah, a lot of those games at the dome did draw about ten thousand, uh, and they were winning once every you know two or three nights uh, back then. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's uh, that's a good comparison to make. This year, obviously, they're restricted by what they can do right now. Last year, there was unlimited, or, you know, back at the Dome, there was almost unlimited capacity. Uh, so they're a little different, but uh, I, I like, the, I like the, uh, the, the take on that one. Mike Herman says, Hot Soft Light is a top three hold steady song that doesn't nearly get the recognition it deserves. I like that song. I don't think I put it in my top three. One of my underrated hold steady songs is uh, On With The Business, Um, I put that one in my, in my top five, top 10, at least, um, as far as underrated though, it's, it's definitely a top three underrated hold study song on with the business. Um, let's see what else we got here. Shea says the Vikings have a championship front office and organizational structure. It just hasn't all clicked yet. I guess Shea Carr is Rick Spielman's burner. Um, didn't know that. That's great. Now, um, you know, I think the championship, front office and organizational structure i don't know about that I, I i think they've made their fair share of big big mistakes the kinds of mistakes that will keep you from winning a championship um, especially at the quarterback position i think they've they've done a pretty good job i think they've drafted pretty well probably better than we give them credit for especially when you look up and down their roster and what they've been able to do at the second round the third round sometimes even later than that they've whiffed on some first round picks everybody does that but they've, they've just made some bad decisions and at key spots uh that 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 you can't necessarily recover from as a, as an organization let's end with the cooler i saved one question from for the cooler aa ron at hamsky wants to know now that the wild have clinched what are the potential playoff pairings and realistic outcomes i have no idea how excited to be for a cup run Sure looks like because of the divisional structure this year, the Wild is going to be locked in probably to that number three seed. Possible they could move up to number two, uh, but it sure looks like Colorado and Vegas, just the way they have you know, banked some points this season, are probably going to be battling out for uh, for that number one spot. The Wild is still a huge underdog if you look at the betting odds to win that division, even though they've won seven in a row. So looking at a matchup against either Vegas or Colorado in the first round. The way the Wilds playing right now, though, they can, they can hang with pretty much anybody. So I would expect them to be a competitive team in the first round. And if you get past that first round, which is going to be a tough series, you're going to have the confidence that you can beat anybody. And if you get out of that division, you're already in the semifinals of the whole, the whole thing. You're in the conference finals, but what, what would be the conference finals. So could be the start of something big if they can get out of that first round. That'll do it for today. Lots of draft stuff coming up later this week. Blake Barrett's agent uh, for Rashad Bateman, um, Adam Thielen, plenty of other guys will be on the show on Wednesday to talk Vikings, to talk draft, to talk you know what an agent does this time of year. Really good conversation with Blake, so I hope you enjoy that. Thanks for listening. Download this podcast. Write a review if you don't mind. I sure would love that. Subscribe to StartTribune.com, Start Tribune all the time. I'm Michael Rand. Thanks for listening to Daily Delivery, and we will talk to you again on Wednesday.